following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, please visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. Come on, give that to the Lord. He's a worthy one. Come on, give it to Him. Give it to Him. Give it to Him. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Come on. Hallelujah. You know what? The energy that you folks bring in this place makes me want to just go eat lunch. No. I want to preach when you folks walk in here. You you, you pull it out of me, and uh, I thank God for that because... After you've done it twice, you know, you're on the third round of it, and uh, it's not, it's not uh, old. I mean, it's not new anymore, and, it's, and you have to pray for a fresh anointing over it, and I do. I go back to my office and ask God for a fresh anointing over everything that I do, and there is a fresh anointing here. But you folks, there's two anointings. There's a God anointing and a people anointing, and you people put an anointing on this pulpit by the way that you come into the house of God, and I thank you for that. I really, really do. And uh, it, it's amazing, it's amazing that God has given me favor with him, and he's also let you have, me have favor with you people, and that's, that's just the honor beyond honors, and I'm very happy to, to be here with you today, and I'm not even thinking about lunch, I'm really not, because we probably won't be eating, we're going to get the road, get on the road pretty quick. My brother-in-laws have built a beautiful edifice over in Humble. And tonight is the dedication, and I'm going to get to hear Jensen Franklin tonight, and he's my buddy, and I'm, I'm excited about that. And so, so we're going to be driving over there as soon as church is out, but I'm not going to cut it short. I'm going to give you everything I've got today. I'm going to give it all to you. Uh, I, I'd like to say that the sinners beat the Christians yesterday here at DKR. The Christians, got, they, they got beat, but barely, but barely. I, uh, I, I find myself sometime, I find myself being pulled I, I'm like, I'm like the Brewer boy's daddy that was in the stands with a Baylor shirt on. And I know that his heart bleeds orange, but it also bleeds green. And, and when your kids are involved with, with what's going on, you've got, you, you're just a part of your, your family. And family runs deep, and family roots run deep. And I know that Mr. Brewer, Robert Brewer, was, was pulled, but he wasn't pulled that hard because he's wanting that boy of his to beat them horns yesterday. I promise you that. But it didn't happen. Maybe next year for all you Baylor fans. All you Aggies, they won. The Aggies won. The Aggies won. There's not a lot here, is there? Either there's a lot here and you're afraid to say anything in Longhorn country or something, but they won. But I tell you, I tell you who hit the hammer yesterday was LSU beat Georgia yesterday. That's pretty, that's pretty neat. We got, some, we got some Bayou Bengals in this church. They come to first service, and they're pretty loud when I announced that today. That's pretty loud. They... They hollered real big. In fact, one of them wrote me last night and said, Tigers eats dogs. <laughs> well, the Tigers, LSU, and the Georgia Bulldogs, they eat dogs. But I don't know if they can eat a Bulldog or not because them Bulldogs are tough. I'm happy to see you, and I'm going to quit talking about that. Would you stand to your feet? You're awesome people. We are, we're doing some standalones, and I'll, I'll be preaching next week. I'm going to preach about the grace of God next week in our last standalone, so I don't want you to miss that if you can. I want you to be here. And then Wednesday night, we're starting, we're starting the process of this new series, uh, You Asked For It. And it's going to be a good series. It's going to be a good series and because you're going to be the, the, the perpetrator of it, and you're going to ask us to do some things, and we're going, to, we're going to try to talk about it with the clarity that God has given us, and hopefully He'll give us clarity and give you clarity while we're having clarity in our own life. 
But it's, it's, those are difficult subjects. Some things that we're going to talk about will probably be difficult subjects, but we're excited about it. And then I've got to tell you, folks, before I start preaching, I've got to tell you, in November, November the 4th, we're starting something here for five weeks that's going to absolutely you want to bring your families to. You want to bring people that are unchurched to because it's going to be a blessing, blessing, blessing beyond measure. It's something that we've never done here in all my 28, almost 29 years. We're going to do it in five for five weeks, and we're excited about it, and we're thrilled about it, and you're going to love it, and uh, I, I already do. I already love it because I know what we're doing. And so we're excited about that. So please put November, all four weeks, 4th, 11th, 18th, and 25th on your calendar, and also the first weekend of December. We're doing a five-week series here that you're going to love. And uh, I know that it is Pastor Appreciation Month. I know that, and I, I'm going to say this because this is the day. And uh, I, I want to appreciate our staff. I love our staff so very much. We have some wonderful, wonderful young men on our staff, and I love them. And I, I, get, I, get, I get accolades, and, and, and you don't have to do anything that for me. Somebody said there's a card out there on the desk for me. And, and it's fine, but I just appreciate the fact that you come, you vote to me with your feet and with your heart, and you show up in church, and that means the world to me. And I could weep right now because you're here at 12 o'clock on Sunday to hear the word of the Lord. Amen. Amen. So, thank you for that, and I am honored. I am honored. I'm going to speak today on ever had a bad hair day? Now, I don't, I don't have those because I don't have any hair. But you know what I'm talking about. I used to, I used to wear my hair a little bit longer. Now, it wasn't, it wasn't hippieville, but I used to wear it a little bit longer. And, and, and it was kind of long here on, on here and, and a little bit longer in the back and had just a little bit up on the top here, just little, this little dome cover here. And, and I had a little niece that told me one time, Reed's sister, she told me one time, said, Uncle Rex, when you get up in the morning, I spent the night at my brother's house, and the kids were there, said, you look like Elmo the Clown. Your hair, said, it's just up. So I started cutting my hair a lot shorter, and, uh, and I still am. And one day I'm going to get brave enough to shave it. But it'll probably be, no, don't go there. It'll probably be probably just before I die or something. I don't know. But I love you very much. So ever had a bad hair day is our subject today. Turn to somebody, say, I'm going to help the pastor. And I'm going to try to help some people here today. God bless you. You may be seated. You are incredible people. I love Third Church. Give me about 30 minutes and don't go out to the bathroom 14 times. Let me talk to you. So a man's walking along a mountain road and he runs upon this Indian lying on the road with his ear pressed to the ground. A man got closer to the Indian, heard him talking in broken English. And he was mumbling these words, truck, Chevy truck, Chevy pickup truck, large Large tires, man driving, German shepherd in the front seat, loaded with firewood, California license plate, UBH-123. And the man's astounded. He says to the Indian, that's unbelievable. You can discern all of that just by putting your head to the ground and listening to the ground. He said, no, a truck ran over me 30 minutes ago. <laughs> Life's a lot like that. You know, it really is. We don't always see what's coming. And when it does, it sometimes runs right over us. I've been broadsided before. Some of you have. Sometimes, no matter how hard you try, you can't keep from having a bad hair day. So you plan, you scheme, you prepare, you do all you know to do to keep from having those days, but they just come again and again the same. One of the best newspaper cartoons of all time was 
little cartoon called Calvin and Hobbes. And one day Calvin comes marching into the living room and his mother is seated in her favorite chair. And she's sipping some tea and she looks up at young Calvin and she's amused and amazed at his dress. Calvin's head is encased in a large space helmet. And a cape is draped around his neck and across his shoulders and down his back and it's dragging on the floor. And one hand is holding a flashlight and the other hand is holding a baseball bat. And mom asks, what's up today, Calvin? He said, nothing so far. She said, so far? He said, well, you never know. Sometimes or something could happen today. And as he marches off and he says, and if anything does, he turns around and he said, I'm going to be ready for it. Calvin's mom looks out at the reading audience and she says, I need a suit just like that today, <laughs> I guess for Calvin's situation. Train was going through a town, but it was not scheduled to stop. There was a very short passenger on the train who wanted to get off in that town because if he didn't, he'd have to pay a $100 taxi fee to bring him back to the town. There was a man sitting beside him that had this brilliant idea. He said, listen, the train always slows down at this town to pick up the mailbag. And when it slows down, I'll just hold you out the window. And when I drop, you start running so you won't fall on your face. Then simply run to a stop. And the train did slow down. And the man took the little friend, put him out the window, and dropped him. And the short man continued running along the platform, waving at him and thanking him for his help. And about that time, another man in the car behind him looks out the window and sees this little man running with his hand up in the air. And he reaches out and he grabs him and pulls him in through the window. And he says to him, this is your lucky day, sir. You almost missed the train. <laughs> Sometimes, <laughs> bless his heart, Zacchaeus got jerked into a train. Life is filled with bad hair days. In fact, some people have bad hair months and some have bad hair years. But there's a powerful truth in the Bible, and it's a 25-word scripture, just 25 short words that, that are for God's kids. And we need to remember these, this scripture. We need to remember it should never be apart from our heart. It's one of the most well-known and most quoted verses in the Bible, and people who don't even know the Bible try to quote this. Because it's one of those verses that everybody wants to quote. It's Romans 8, 28 that says, And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. Folks, that's short in words, but it's long in wisdom and long in power for your life. God gives us, through this scripture, three Three beautiful truths that we need to remember when we're having a bad hair day or a month or a year. These truths are simply this. God is a promise keeper, not just a promise maker. He gives us promises. The second thing he gives us, and you need to remember this, is his providence, which you'll find the word provide in providence. He gives us his provision. And the third thing that he shows us, and you need to remember, is his purpose, we have to understand that everything happens to us for a purpose. And I want to preach today. I just want to talk to you a little bit today on these three little subjects, three little points, and I won't be lengthy. But the first thing you need to remember in this verse today is to remember God's purpose, I mean God's promise to you. You need to remember His promise. 
And in that promise, there are three words that are extremely important in understanding and appreciating what this verse says. The first word is we. I've never put just one little word like that on the screen, but I'm putting it up today. We. Everybody say we. Paul said, and we know, we know that all things work together for good. Now, who, who is the we? We are the ones who love God. We are the ones who are the called. There's only two types, folks, of people in the world. There are those who love God. Anybody in the house that loves God? Come on, raise your hand. And there are those who don't love God. And not everyone who says they love God truly loves God. They don't really love God. Some of them don't because John 14 says, He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. In other words, people who truly love God don't just say it, folks. They show it. Amen? you got to show your love for God. And you do that. You do that by being in the house of God. You do that when you bow your knee to prayer. You do that when you raise your hands to worship. You do that when you give when the offering plate comes by. You do that when somebody says, I need prayer, and you get on your knees right then and start praying for them. You do that when you help people in need. You do that. You show the love of Jesus Christ in your heart. But the we are also the ones who are called. Those who love God are the ones whom God has called to be a part of his family. I'm glad to be in the family of God and who have responded to the call by surrendering their life to Jesus. Never forget, folks, God's promises, hear me now, are for God's children. I'm going to say it again. God's promises are for God's children. Everyone in this world cannot say, don't worry, everything will work out because sometimes everything does not work out for everybody. Everything only works out for God's children. That verse is not about for everybody in the world. It's for those who love God and are the called according to his purpose. You may be sitting here thinking, well, I'm a child of God and everything is working out for me. Remember this. This is not the only life that you're going to be living. There's a hereafter after this life. And I want to declare something. You need to be making preparation. Oh, I'm going to preach right now. You need to be making preparation for the life that is to come. Don't spend so much time on yourself in this life that you don't prepare for the one that's coming. Because the one that's coming is going to make this one look like Ned in the first reader. I promise you. There is nothing like the life that's going to come. There is a heaven to gain, folks, and a hell to shun. And we need to plan on going to the place that Jesus has prepared for us. Clap your hands real big right now. Remember. Remember. We are the we. The second word is no. No. Paul says, and we know. We know that all things work together for good. There's a lot of things about God in the Bible and life that we don't know. In fact, in Romans 8.26, just two verses before 8.28, the Bible said we don't always know how to pray. We don't know how to pray. And when we don't know how to pray, the Spirit makes intercession for us to pray. Have you ever been in a place... I'm talking now where you just got down to pray and you couldn't even form the words. You couldn't even say the words. You just, you just bawl it out to God. You just, you just dying out and you're saying, oh, and you're doing all that. And you know what God's doing? He's putting words. He's putting words in your spirit. 
And those words are ministering to him because he sees the effectual heart that you have in your life. He sees your hunger. He sees your pain. And sometimes your pain preaches to him and prays to him more than your words could ever frame. I think so many times we just think we have to say the right words. What we have to have is the right spirit when we come into the presence of God. And when you have his spirit and your right spirit in your life, God will hear your petitions. Say amen to that. We know, we know, we know. We don't know what Jesus looks like. We don't know when he's coming back. We don't know what will happen when we walk out the door today. But I've got, got a definition for dishonesty because I don't like people to get dishonest with God. To be dishonest is to claim you don't know what you do know. And there's some people that act like they don't understand this God factor and they've been raised by mama all their life and daddy's took, taken them to church and they act like they don't know what's going on. Let me tell you something. If you know something about God, you better claim everything you know about God today because he's our helper. He's our helper in time of trouble. Clap your hands and say, I believe that, Pastor. And the second word, the second word is foolish. Foolish is to claim you do know what you don't know. Don't claim you know something that you don't know. Never hesitate to claim to know what you do know. And there's one thing that you do know. You may not always like what God is doing. You may not always understand what he's doing. But you can know that he is involved in your life 100% of the time. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. He'll go with us all the way even to the end of the world. Amen making all things work for good. And that leads to the third word. We know that all. Everybody say all. 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 We know that all things work. All things. All things. Paul didn't use the word few there. We know that few things. He didn't use the word some there. We know that some things. He didn't use the word most there. We knew that most things. But he said all things. All things. All things work together. All things. Say all. all. That's just a big old word, isn't it? All. All, everything. Remember, God did not say he works all things out for our good most of the time. Nor does he say that God works most things out all the time. But he works all things all the time for the good of those that are called according to his purpose. You don't have to see it. You just have to know it. Let me tell you something, folks. There's a, there's, there's a, there's a thing about just knowing. You, you, there's some things you just have to know. You know what I'm saying? There's some things you just have to know. I love the story of Naaman in the Old Testament. He, had, he was a captain of the Syrian army, but he had leprosy. He was a leper, and, and gives, they, they give all these accolades of who, how powerful he was, and they said, but he was a leper. But he had a little maiden in his house that was working for him that knew a prophet in Israel, and she said, if you'll go and talk to that prophet, he will tell you what you can, what you can do to be healed. He'll help you. And Naaman had tried everything, evidently, because he's a captain, folks. He had done it all. And he, he goes over to, to, the, to Israel, and he goes up to this prophet's door, and the prophet won't even see him. He sends out an associate pastor. He sends out somebody else to talk to him. And he says, go tell him to dip seven times in the Jordan River, and he will be healed. And, and Naaman is throwing a fit. He is throwing a fit. He's so mad at that because he says, he says, he says, why didn't he come out? He, he sent somebody else. And then he tells me to go dip in the Jordan River. Now, the Jordan River, folks, Jesus was baptized there. And some of you have probably been over there and been baptized over there. But it's not the cleanest thing that ever flowed down the, down the, down the, down the riverbed. You know what I'm saying? And I'm, and, and I'm sure that Naaman knew that. And so the little boy, the, the little guy that was with him, his, his little aide there that was with him said, Sir, if he had asked you to do something mighty and something awesome, 
said you wouldn't have, you wouldn't have bothered it wouldn't have bothered you at all said if he'd asked you to, to go to the Damascus rivers the Abana the Farpar what are those rivers said you'd have done that but you were asked to go dip in the Jordan River so Naaman goes to the Jordan River this is beautiful I love this and he's, he, he walks in he walks in and he and he and he and he's thinking oh God I've got to do this and so he dips one time and he looks at his flesh still there Leprosy still there. Three times leprosy. Four times leprosy. Five times leprosy. Six times leprosy. Ah, this ain't going to work. Seven times clean. Yikes. It's amazing what happens when you obey the voice of the Lord in your life. It's amazing what can come on you when God is obeyed in your life. And Naaman said this, and I love it. I love this. He said, I thought, I thought that he would ask me to do such and such, but he said, now, what's this now? Now I know. <laughs> he said, now I know that there's not a God in all the earth like the God of Israel. Sometime in your life, you're going to have to quit just thinking about it and you're going to have to start knowing some things. We know that all things work together for good to those that love God and are the called according to his purpose. I don't want you leaving here today doubting what you know or what you don't know. I want you to walk out saying there's not a situation in my life that he's not going to help me in. There's not a problem in my life that he's not going to be there for me. There's not a situation I can walk through that he won't be there for me because he is my God and all things work together. Come on, clap your hands. This is a good church. This is good church. This is good church. So we, we ask this question in our life. Is my life more coincidental or is it providential for a child of God? Let me tell you. Remember this, that you are not a coincidence and you're not an accident. Your life is providence laden. You need to remember that. Remember God's providence over you. Behind every promise of God is the providence of God. Now, you got to get this. Providence comes from two words. The word pro, which means before, and video, which means to see. So providence means to see beforehand and to provide what is seen because provide is in the word providence. God sees every event in your life before it ever occurs. And then he has provision for you for that event to make it fit in your life. Because there are no accidents in the life of a child of God. Only appointments. Often disappointments are really are his appointments in your life. And rocks of disappointment turn into boulders of blessing. Instead of letting those things make be a stumbling block to you, why don't you step up on them and stand on a boulder of blessing and say, God is helping me through this situation because all things work together. I'm reminded of the story of a man who was shipwrecked on an uninhabited island and and he managed to get a few meager belongings together and washed on the shore after the shipwreck. And he built a little hut to protect those things and himself from the sun and the rain and the wind. And for weeks, the only thing he had for company was the hot sun, the cold rain, and the dark nights. And he prayed every day that a ship would come, but nothing came. Then late one evening, he went out and to look for food. And he noticed across the island where he'd come from that smoke was rising from where his hut was. 
And he ran back terrified to find that his little hut was going up in flames. His campfire had caught the hut on fire. Not only burned up the hut, but what possessions he had were all burned and gone. And he went to sleep that night crying like a lot of people do, asking God why. Job asked God why. A lot of people ask the question why. Why did this happen to me? Why did you let the tent burn? Why did you even cause me to lose everything that I had? Why, why, why? We ask those things. And, 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 and go ahead and be honest. You've got to get honest. Don't be dishonest today. You've got to get honest. You've asked that. I've asked that. And early the next morning he awoke to find a ship anchored off the island. And the rescue he had been praying for all those weeks was now there. And still trying to believe his eyes, he heard footsteps and he turned around and there were some men from the ship who had come to rescue him. He said, how in the world did you find me? And they said, we were just passing by and saw your smoke signal and came to rescue you. See, what you thought was a tent burning up, what you thought was all your supplies being gone, what you thought was everything being burned up was actually a smoke signal that said, you're going to be rescued. I'm here to tell you, God has got the providence and the provision for you in your life. Come on, rejoice in that right now. Rejoice. God can take a fire and turn it into the light of deliverance. And he can take a flood and turn it into a river of blessing. The Greek word for the words work together, all things work together, is the same word that gives us the English word synergy. Everybody say synergy. Synergy is simply meaning the sum total of all the parts is greater than the parts by themselves. And it's an awesome thing to understand. It's an awesome thing to understand that when God's working with you, when God's working with you, I, 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 I heard a story about, about a kid that was put one day to pull a wagon or pull a heavy wagon. And he was a, he was a little, old, little old boy and he pulled that wagon so hard and he couldn't hardly pull it. Put another kid the same size and they start running off with the wagon because two are better than one. And when God starts working in your life, when you let God start working in your life, you just you scoot over and let God have it. Be like that flea in that elephant's ear when they crossed over the bridge and the bridge shook. Whisper in the elephant's ear, we shook that bridge, didn't we? But you understand that the flea didn't shake the bridge. The elephant shook the bridge. And when God Almighty's working with you, just get a hold of him and say, God, whatever you have for me, go ahead and let it happen. I believe in your promise and I believe in your providence. And I believe that you'll provide for me everything that I need in this situation. You see, here's what I believe. I believe this with all my heart. I believe that, 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 that if God, if God in your life, if God in your life could look down into a bag of things, uh, and, and, and like, like if I had, a, I should have brought it. If I had a whole bag of, of, of puzzle pieces, just puzzle pieces, a thousand piece puzzle, and I'm all separated, God could reach his hand in that bag. Watch this now. Blindfolded or with his eyes closed. My Lord, he sees anyhow, doesn't he? But he could, he could, pick, out a, <laughs> he could pick out a piece of that puzzle he, and fit it into your life. And make it work because he is God and he does that kind of stuff because that's his providence. He provides because he promises. When he promises, he'll be the provision for you. Oh, my, my. And if God promised it to you, he'll provide it for you. If he promised it, he sees before it happens, he'll be there. No matter what the piece of the puzzle looks like, he'll be there for you. I remember... I miss my mother during this time of the year. My mom was a great, great cook. She could cook the greatest turkey and dressing. Well, her turkey wasn't that good, but her dressing was. Her dressing was incredible. She made dry dressing. Now, if you ever have me over for Thanksgiving, 
And I'm not looking for an invitation, even though it's Pastor Appreciation Day. I'm not looking for an invitation today. I'm teasing. But, but dry dressing is what I love. I love to pour that giblet, giblet, gravy, whatever it is over it. You just, I could eat dressing. In fact, when, when Mama used to make it, I would get a little air in my stomach and I'd go get some more dressing. Then when I got a little more air, I'd get some more dressing. I could eat dressing all day long. I was addicted to Mama's dressing and she died. I, whoever the bluebell people are, they need to die too, so I won't be eating no more bluebell. <laughs> But mom used to bake cakes. Mom used to bake pies and cakes. And even before she died, she was, her mind was so good up to the day she died. She never lost her mind. She just had, she had body problems. She had health problems. But her mind was sharp. She could bake cakes. She could make great cakes, extremely tasty. Yet, tasting the ingredients. One day when I was just a little kid, I used to like to watch mama because she'd let me lick the bowl of the chocolate. You know what I'm saying? I'd get that spoon in. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Nobody's ever done that? Okay, let me tell you how to do it. You put your finger in there and you lick it. Son, ain't, not, ain't nothing like mama's chocolate. You hear me? And so one day she's cooking. And I said, Mom, how does that? I, I'm just, I'm inquisitive. I said, how's flour and baking powder and all that stuff? She said, she, I said, how's that all? She said, oh, it tastes good. It's good, son. It's good stuff. So she said, you want to taste some of this flour? She gave me a taste of it. Well, I spit it out. It was horrible. And then she, she said, well, try this baking powder. It's, it's better. And I believed her, and, and I spit it out. She said, oh, son, this Crisco's awesome. You'll love this Crisco. <laughs> and I spit it out. And then she had these eggs going. She said, you want, a, you, want a, you want a spoonful of eggs, raw eggs? And I said, well, you know, I've, I've done flour and baking powder and Crisco. I'll try the eggs. So, Good night. I said, Mama, how does that happen? She said, honey. It's not what goes in the bowl. It's not what's in the bowl when you mix it. It's what comes out of the oven after it's been done and cooked. And you know what? I, I, I get that because every one of us feel like we're in a furnace of fire sometime. We're being cooked and we don't know how we're going to come out. Believe me, when you come out of the furnace after God mixes you real good with things in your life that you think are untasty when he, you taste them by yourself, but when God mixes them together in his providence and sticks it in the oven and you come out of the fire, you're going to say that's the best Romans 8.28 cake I've ever eaten in my life. There's nothing like the grace of God and the mercy of God. God and the glory of God working in my life. Oh, you're helping me preach right now. Let's have church in this house. Somebody needs to understand the providence of Almighty God. Sodium is deadly. Chloride is also. Place them together and you get common table salt. Together, they bless you in the food on your table because God can take the bad individual things of life. And mix them to make good. So not only do you need to remember the promises of God and the providence of God. You need to remember God's purpose for your life. You have a purpose. Say purpose. purpose. Everybody say I have a purpose. I have a purpose. God's purpose for your life. Now listen to this. Is good. All things work together for good. God's purpose in your life is good. All things work for good. means that things that may appear to be bad at the time are in effect really good for you. I've got a, I'm not far from closing, seriously. I'm really, this is true. 
<laughs> I know you folks think, my Lord, he flares that plane out, and he says, I'm going to take another run around the runway. And then... But I, got, I had a, somebody ask me this day in my office how many books I have read in my office. And I, I, I told the truth. I said, I hadn't read them all at all. I hadn't. They said, well, have you opened them? I said, yes, I will, I will go on record and say I've opened every book that's in that office. I've opened it up. And I shut it quick. Because <laughs> it wasn't something I, I want. I was given some books, and there were some books that somebody found at, at uh, garage sales and gave them to me, and they're old books, and they just really looked nice on the shelf. But I hadn't read them. I hadn't read them. I probably should. I got some Spurgeon books in there. I got some Talmadge books in there that I've read, I read, I read frequently. But I hadn't read everything. But, but there was a book that somebody put in my hands not long ago in fact it's been well it's been not long ago about four years ago and I and I found a story interesting when I opened the, the fly cover of the, the fly page of the book and it was the tale of the tardy ox cart and and I want to share it with you and then and then we're going to bring this thing to a close but I want you to understand the purpose God has for your life a farmer and his son were trying to get fruit and vegetables to town before the competition beat them to town with their own vegetables and fruit and they were on their way to get great money for their labor, and the first one to the city would get the best price. So the son was in a hurry, but the father was a loving man and cared for a lot of people, and he didn't, he didn't, he didn't stay. He didn't want to stay in a hurry. He stopped to help three or four people that their ox cart had been broken down, perhaps carrying too much vegetables, and maybe a wheel had come off or the oxen had pulled away from the, the wagon, and their wagons were broken. And the son got exasperated. He said, come on, Dad. We've got to beat the competition. We've got to get premium dollar for our goods. They had one mountain pass that they had to go through before they got to the city. And they were on this side of the mountain pass. It was a small mountain pass. But they had to go through it. And all of a sudden they saw this bright light. And they heard a huge explosion. And they wondered what had happened on the other side of the mountain. And they got to the top and they saw the carnage. It was the atomic bomb that the U.S. had dropped on Hiroshima. True story. And there's a lot of people that understand, that don't understand that God has got a divine promise for you. He's got providence for you and he's got purpose for you, but you want to get ahead of God. And God is saying, why don't you just take the pace that I've planned for you in life? Don't try to outrun me. Don't get out there and try to outrun me because you're going to get hit in the head with a bomb. You need to stay back here and let me, let me pace you and let me take you where I want to take you because I have a purpose for your life. The will of God is God's will for your life. And I believe with everything that's in me that some of us are trying to get ahead of God and we're running into things. We're finding things in our life that are not, not wholesome for us. We're trying to make a marriage work. We're trying to make a job work. We're trying to make something happen in our life. We're trying to make a kid thing work. We're trying to make this family thing work. Why don't you turn that over to God? Why don't you let God do something in your life? Why don't he let him speak to you with his promise and providence and then show you his purpose and watch God put it all together? I believe with everything that's in me that God's got something for every one of you in this house today. There's not a one of you that he's missing right now. Every one of you have a purpose, and God wants that purpose to be fulfilled in your life. Let it unfold in your life. When I was just a young man, I had such a passion to preach. I preached with everything I had. Many times when I got through preaching, I would, pardon me, it sounds gross, but I would go to the pastor's study, and I would throw up because I preached so hard. 
so hard that I would bleed internally. I would, I would throw blood up. I would preach so hard, give it everything I've got. And God tapped me on the shoulder one day and said, Son, I'd like to have you around a while. You don't have to kill yourself for me. I died for you. And I thought, I thought that it would speed up the process. I thought it would speed the process up because I had young men my age that were preaching in these huge churches and I was preaching in storefronts and I thought, I've got to get there. I've got to make it there. And I was in competition with myself and with them and I was not letting God lead my path the way it ought to be led. And one day God spoke to me and he said, I've got a path for you and you're going to walk that path and you're going to walk it by yourself. It's your path. I don't need to run anybody else's race. I've got my own to take care of. And you've got your own to take care of. Quit trying to compare yourself with somebody else. God's got a purpose in your life here today. And that purpose is going to be fulfilled when he fulfills it. And I'd like to declare today, I'd like to declare this today, closing this three-part thing in my third service, I'd like to declare I'm the happiest preacher of all the preachers I was competing with a long time ago because some of them not even preaching anymore. Some of them have given up on God, but God has given me the most blessed church because I walked the path that God wanted me to walk and I let God's providence and his purpose take a hold of my life and it works, it works, it works. Are you hearing me? It works. We're trying to force the hand of God in your life. God is awesome. Randy, if you'll help me, I've got to close. You folks are just incredible. There is a beautiful scripture in verse 29 of Romans 8, right after 8.28. It says, we're predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. God wants us to be like Jesus. Not trying to beat our farmer friends to the, to the market to get the best price. He wants us to be like Jesus. The best thing that could happen to you is to become just like Jesus. So when someone sees you, they do not see your wealth or your fame or your house or your job. They see Jesus, simply Jesus. See, God's good is better than your best. I want to share a story. It's, a, it's about three or four minutes long, then I'm done. 1971, Robbie. Zacharias was ministering in Vietnam. His interpreter was a young man named Hein Pham. He was a young Christian who was a translator with the military and with missionaries. And Zacharias left Vietnam, and within four years, Vietnam had fallen. And Zacharias did not hear about Hein Pham's fate. But 17 years later, 1998, Hein had called and told Robbie. He said, Robbie, I'm in, I'm in America. I made it to America. I'm in the United States, and I'm a citizen. And he said, there's only, uh, there's only one thing I need to tell you, that the only way I made it here was the promise and the providence and the purpose of God. It's the only reason I'm here. Amen. And shortly after Vietnam fell, the communists, uh, fell to the communists. Hein was arrested for aiding the American cause, and he was in and out of prison for several years. And during one long, long, one long jail term, the sole purpose of his imprisonment was to turn him from dem- democratic ideals and the Christian faith and his belief in God Almighty. He was cut off from reading anything in English and restricted to reading communist propaganda that was in the French language or the Vietnamese language. And every day he was forced to read Marx and Engels and other communist philosophers. And he began to buckle under the pressure. Maybe, he thought, I have been lied to. Maybe God does not exist. Maybe Christianity is a farce. Finally, he made up his mind. And he determined that when he awakened the next day, he would never again pray or even think about his Christian faith. And the next morning, he was assigned, watch this now, to clean the latrines, the toilets in the prison. 
was prison's most dreaded chores. As he cleaned out a tin can filled to the overflowing with toilet tissue, his eyes caught what appeared to be an English printed piece of, uh, uh, on, on a piece of paper. And he hurriedly washed it off and slipped it to his hip pocket. And that night under his mosquito net, after roommates had fallen asleep, he pulled out a small flashlight and shining it on that damp piece of paper, he read the top corner, Romans chapter 8. And trembling, you believe God don't have us in his hands. Trembling with shock and amazement, he read these words, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God and to those who are called according to his purpose. And Hind began to weep. He knew his Bible. He knew that there was not a more relevant passage of conviction and encouragement and strength for someone in his position in all the word of God. And he cried out to God asking him for forgiveness and determined he would never again turn his back on the Christian faith. The next day, Hine was asked, he asked the, com- the commander if he could clean the latrines again, and they thought it was unusual. They actually thought he was crazy, but they allowed him to do it. And every day he cleaned the latrines, he discovered more of the Word of God on toilet paper, and he discovered that one of the officers was using the Bible as his toilet tissue. And every day, Hine would pick up a portion of Scripture, clean it off, and read it that night in his nightly devotions. Folks, that's wanting to read the Word of God. And the day came when through an unbelievable set of circumstances, which could only be by providence, Hine was released. He promptly began to make plans to escape the country. And after several unsuccessful attempts, he began to build a boat in secret. And about 53 other people had pledged to go with him to escape Vietnam. Everything was going well. And just before they were to part, there was a knock on the door. And there was four Viet Cong that stood there. And they said, we have heard that you're trying to escape. Is that true? And Hine immediately denied it. He made up some story about what he was doing, and apparently they convinced they reluctantly turned and left. And Hine was relieved, but also very disappointed in himself. He said, here I go again, Lord, trying to manipulate my own destiny rather than relying on you to work out all things together for my good. He made a promise to God that he hoped God wouldn't ask him to keep, that if the Viet Cong were to come back, he would tell them the truth. And hours before they were to leave, a knock came on the door again, and it was the same four Viet Cong, same four men. They said, we have our sources and we know you're trying to escape. Is it true? And Hine took a deep breath and said, yes, it is. And 53 others, are you going to imprison me? There was a long, long pronounced pause. Then one of them leaned forward and said, no, we want to escape with you. (laughs) So they find themselves out on a horrible, on the seas in a horrible storm. And Hine bows down and puts his head in his hands and said, God, have you brought us out here to kill us now? And one of, those, one of those men came to him and tapped him on the shoulder and said, Mr. Hine, you can get up. He said, Sir, what you don't know is that we are all sailors in the Vietnamese Navy. We all know how to make it through a storm in a boat. Amen. And Hine said, That's how I got to America. That's how I got to America. Now I know. That's a long, it's an exhausting story, and I tried to tell it as quick as I could. But listen to me. We're going someplace besides America. We're going to heaven one day. And God's got a promise for us. He's got providence for us. And he's got a purpose for us. And all of us, all of us are on our way to glory right now. And you don't need to be dishonest. You need to say, I am a child of God. I love God with all my heart. Because when you get in that number, folks, you've got some things working on your behalf that people out there don't have working on their behalf. God said all things. Paul said all things. All things work together for good 
to them that love God and are the called according to his purpose. Come on, clap your hands real big right now. Clap your hands real big. Would you stand? You're incredible people. I've preached too long and I apologize. No, I don't. I take that back. Take that off the tape. Take that off the tape. I don't want to say that. But I want to say something to you. In first service today, there was a little baby boy that was here that's two months old. And the doctors gave him zero chance, zero chance of being alive. They said he would never leave the hospital. And I tell you, he was here this morning. He was here this morning. And then we started sending prayer partners up there. We started sending prayer pastors up there and our care pastors. And the care pastors would pray. And then one day, the mother and the grandmother said, Pastor Rex, would you come? We just believe if you'll come and bring some staff members. And I, I went with, I think, three or four staff pastors. We went up there. I think there was five of us, honestly. I think there was five of us. We walked in that room, and the mother wasn't even there. And the nurse said, sir, you can't come in here because you're not family. And I said, oh, I am family. Can I just pray for the baby before we leave? I won't, I won't, even, I won't even lift it. I'll just, can I just touch his little old foot here and pray for him? She said, she must have been a believer. She said, yes, you can. And I reached over, and we made a little train here, and all of us put their hands through me and onto me, and we prayed for that baby and walked out of there. And we got a call about three days later, said he's turned for the good. He's turned for the good. And this morning, right here, after first, I love to tell these kind of stories. After first service, I got to pet his little old head. He's here today. And mama's happy. And grandma's about to shout. Because all things work together for good. For good to those that love God and are the call according to his purpose. I don't know what you're going through right now. I don't know what you're going through, but if you need healing, I just feel like praying for healing right now. Won't you lift your hands all over the house if you need healing? You need healing? You need healing? Some physical healing? Perhaps some emotional healing? Perhaps some spiritual healing? Perhaps some mind healing? Whatever you need healing of, God's here to heal right now. He's here to help you right now. Let me bless you. Dear Father, you are the healer. You're the healer. There is nobody that can promise and bring provision hallelujah and purpose to our lives like you can. Lord, I bless your name today. I honor your, your, your face today. I bless you. I give you all my praise. I give you all my heart. I give you everything that's in me. I have preached my soul to this church today. I've given everything that I have to this congregation today. I want them to know that you don't make false promises. You provide where you promise. And you send purpose when you bring provision. It's always for a reason. And it's for us to draw closer to you and be more like you and look like you because one day you're coming and we're going to be like you for we shall see you as you are and we're going to be just like you. Thank you for that. Now heal people right now. Heal people. Heal my wife, God, today. Heal her of that, of that, of that painful physical thing she has in her life. Heal her right now. Heal people in this house right now. Let healing come. Let mental healing come. Let spiritual healing come. Let physical healing come. Let healing of families come. In Jesus' name, God, do a 